And so we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the minor prophets with major messages. The minor prophets with major messages. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know the Bible is kind of, uh, the Old Testament in particular, is kind of broken up into these uh, sections that it's been put together. You have the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Then you have the history, and you have the Psalms, and you have the major prophets, and you have the minor prophets and the wisdom books. And so we're going to be spending our time over the next few weeks looking at the 12 minor prophets that are listed at the end of the Old Old Testament. And you might say to me, Charlie, I don't, I've never, don't know why they're minor, but if they have major messages. But really the reason that they're considered minor prophets is because of the, uh, the quick and powerful yet uh, distinct reminders that they were giving to the people of Israel. They were really kind of people on the on the sidelines, if you will, kind of beckoning the people of Israel to respond to God in a certain way. And although they make up the last 12 books of the Old Testament, their, their features are, are a great buildup into the New Testament. And if you look at the history of the Bible, you look at the, you, the major prophets into the minor prophets, right after the minor prophets is a 400 years of silence, basically, where no one was hearing from the word of the Lord. Nobody was hearing from God. They weren't recording anything. And then you bust into the scene in the New Testament when one says to Mary, you're going to have a child and his name is going to be Jesus. And so the minor prophets really almost become like a, a, a forerunner to the birth of Jesus and the message of returning to the Father once again. And today we're going to look at the first minor prophet listed, and his name is Hosea. And Hosea's message is an interesting message. And it's not only a message, but it was a, life, a call in his own personal life that he had to respond to in order to beckon the people to come back to the Father. And you're going to see that Hosea, although he marks the beginning of the minor prophets, his message is really one that is carried throughout all of the minor prophets, one that says, turn to the Lord. And he is really the beginning of one who would speak to God. And Hosea and many of the other minor prophets, as we're going to talk about in the weeks to come, though they were minor in their messages, and some of them, like Obadiah, he would only write just a few words in the, in the Bible, but yet they had powerful messages that God was using them and calling them to speak to the people. And you're going to see over the next few weeks that when God calls us, we have a response and our response is to obey and do what the Lord wants us to do. And even Hosea and among the many others, though it was challenging to respond to the call of God, they didn't, they weren't ashamed and they, they jumped up to the task. And so here is Hosea's message that is beginning to come at the beginning of the Minor Prophets. Hosea began to prophesy at the time of the history of Israel. If you know about the history of Israel, Israel was being divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And there was beginning to be a dissension that was happening, that the kings were beginning to become corrupt, and the, the, the kingdom of Israel and Judah was beginning, beginning to become divided in many ways, and sin was overtaking the leadership of Israel, which would ultimately lead up to the, what we call the exile, and that was the time the Babylonians would come in and take the people of Israel by force, and you can read all about the exile in the book of Daniel, among others. And so Hosea's message is one of importance because he is trying to reason with the people 
right before they are being pulled into exile, please hear the message from the Father. He's calling to us. He's beckoning us. And so the Lord would speak to Hosea. Quite a strange command. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 2 that when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And Hosea's call was not only a message that he would preach. If you really go in and you read the prophets, the prophets were uh, by far some of the strangest people in the Bible. They just look at their lifestyles and the way they were. They were some strange people. They did some strange things. But Hosea was one who was called to do something, not necessarily strange on his part, but God was doing it. And God called him to go marry someone that he knew was unfaithful as a way to demonstrate how Israel had been treating God and ultimately how God would put his arms of love around them. I have often preached from the book of Hosea because I love the message of Hosea, that Hosea is the picture of us. It's the story of us. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. And you see here in Hosea chapter 1 that the Lord was speaking to him to go and marry an unfaithful person. And not only that, but to begin a family to them. And as you continue to read the letter of Hosea, the book of Hosea, you see all the complaints that the Lord was beginning to build up against the people of Israel. And there's two, really, that it comes down to, and that's what I want to show you this morning. Because just like the history of Israel, they had a pattern of bad behavior. They had a pattern of uh, falling astray from the Lord. Their humanity is our humanity. It is. Just because they were ones who were wayward from the Lord doesn't mean it's not us. We Oftentimes, the Bible, I think you have to look at it in this sense, is it's not necessarily just a historical account, but many times it's a mirror. We're looking at our own selves many times and we don't realize it. And this is what the story of Hosea is showing us, that oftentimes that we tend to be people who are wayward and unfaithful to the Lord in many ways. And so the first thing that I want to show you today that the Lord spoke out against the people of Israel, that he beckoned against them, was he said to them in Hosea chapter 8, in verse 14, he says this, Israel has forgotten his maker. Israel has forgotten his maker. And later on in Hosea chapter 11, he would say to them, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took him by the arms, but they didn't realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. And to them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. But yet Israel has forgotten his maker. Israel has forgotten his maker. This is what Hosea would also record about his wife, Gomer. He would say, she has gone after her lovers, but me, she has forgotten and we see this habit here that, it, that the, the complaint that the Lord has against Israel is their forgetfulness. Is that they were caught up in many other different things. That they forgot that it was the Lord who brought them up from their infanthood, so to speak, and brought them into the fullness of life that they now had. They forgot that it was the Lord who brought them out of Egypt and brought them into a place of plenty and provision. They forgot that God was the one who provided kindness to them over and over and over again. And they forgot. And so much so that God goes to this imagery of a father with a child. He says, 
It's like when a little child, you put it up to your cheek and you put it up in the warmth of your embrace. You bend down to feed it. They forgot that I was the one who did that for them. The message to Israel was remember once again who your maker is and don't forget about all he's done for you. But how true it is of many times in our own lives and our walks of spiritual faith is that we have a tendency to forget. And, you, and, and I don't care what you say, you can't blame it on busyness or age. Sometimes it's a spiritual thing that causes us to forget. We forget God's goodness to us. We forget how God has provided to us. We forget how God has made a way for us in the, in the wilderness when we thought there was no other way. And, and despite of all that what God has done, we tend to forget his faithfulness over and over and over again. If there's any word that's going to resonate in the book of Hosea, it's this word, faithful. God is faithful. Hosea, his marriage to Gomer was one of absolute faithfulness. And we're going to talk more about faithfulness in a moment. But we see that is there, God's faithfulness was forgotten. They forgot how God had continually made a way for them. They forgot how he would open up his arms of love and wrap them around them. And how often we do the same. How often our complaints against God sometimes are, Lord, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, or God, what, what have you forgot about me? Have you overlooked me? Not realizing that the word of God teaches us, God has never forgotten about us, but he knows us by name. The next thing you're going to see in the, the call or the fall of Israel, rather, was their forgetfulness but it was also their unfaithfulness. And this was the biggest complaint that God had against them, was that they were unfaithful. And so therefore, that was the whole point of this imagery, was to go marry an unfaithful wife, Hosea, and I want them to see, this is how you are treating me. Just like she is leaving you and going to be with other people, she has forgot about you, Hosea, and this is how the people of Israel have done me. They have chased after many other things, but me, they have forgotten, they have forgotten about me. Hosea chapter 4 says this, that the Lord would speak out through Hosea, there is no faithfulness or loyalty and no knowledge of God in the land. I want you to take a look at that word loyalty. That's not a word we use too often today other than to describe our dog. But loyalty is something that the Lord has called us to. Loyalty is not just something that you, you, you only practice just because of who the person is. Loyalty is a practice out of admonishment. In other words, loyalty is something we do because of who we love and how we love them. Listen, a dog is, faith, is loyal to us because they love us. Right, because they want to protect us, because they want to watch over us. Our, our dog is the most loyal dog you ever see. If you try to attack me, he's going to come after you. That's just the way he is. He's loyal. And that's the way that the Lord wants us to be, that we would be loyal to the Father. You see, like Gomer, Hosea's uh, wife, like she would give herself to many others, we often step away from our lives with God, turning to other relationships. We turn to money. We turn to status to meet our soul's needs. It's, it's that practice of unfaithfulness. It's that practice that God would try to warn them about in the beginning is the idleness. That was uh, 
Gomer's problem and Israel, Israel's problem was that they had more gods of wealth, prestige, and power. And that's what it ultimately led to the fall of Israel and Judah to be what they, in the status that they were in, was that they pursued other gods, though it was not a uh, necessarily a figurative idol per se, but it was wealth, prestige, and power that they were unfaithful to the Lord. You know, in our culture today, it's almost like God has to fight for our attention. We live in a culture that is fighting for our attention. And among all of the things that try to get our attention is the likewise plea of God to get our attention. Think about it. You drive down the road, you see advertisements, you open up your phone, you see messages, you news alerts, weather, social media, just a plethora of things. You open up the newspaper, attention being drawn away. You turn on the TV, attention being pulled away. Phone calls, messages, etc., etc. We are living in a world today that demands our attention. And if we don't give it, unless we forcefully sometimes turn it off and put it away, then we find ourselves pulled into that allure of getting our attention. But oftentimes what happens is, is we, in the fight for our attention, sometimes things win over the pull for our attention. The things like wealth, prestige, and power. When things get difficult or when things get trying, we have a tendency in our human nature to rely on other means and methods to get us out instead of truly relying on the Lord. And I want you to look at this imagery really quick in the Old Testament that, if, that kind of shows us a little bit about the fight for our attention. If you remember this image, you go back and you look in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. The Bible talks about Moses went up on the mountain and he was going to begin to write down the Ten Commandments or the finger of the Lord was going to begin to write them down rather. And as, the, as he was there, the Lord spoke to him and said, you better go down from here. Those people, they've started to do something. They started to build a golden calf. And basically what happened was Moses' brother gathered up all the gold from all the people and they threw it in a pot to melt it down to this image of a golden calf that they would dance around and worship and give all of their affection to. And as Moses would come down the mountain, he would see it and he would throw the tablets on the ground in his anger. But what always interested me about this was how quickly the people rallied around that golden calf. There wasn't like a camp of people, really. There was a small group, the Levites, but there was, uh, that, that didn't participate. But for the most part, there was this, this huge group of people who rallied around this golden calf. And it teaches us something about human nature, and it teaches us something about culture. That oftentimes culture brings about golden calves, things that demand our attention and lure us to it. Because everybody else is doing it, it pulls us in and we want to jump and be a part of it. But instead of being like the Levites, consecrating ourselves to the Lord, we have a tendency to jump right along to whatever culture is worshiping, whatever culture is admonishing, and giving it our affection and our attention. Whether it be a God of wealth, prestige, or power, there, there tends to be this ability in us as humans that instead of being loyal to the Lord, we're loyal to culture. But in this day and age especially, we have been called to be loyal to God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Have no other gods before you. This is God's plea to us. Is It's not a plea out of demanding to be loyal to us just because he's God and he's a king. It's because God knows what's best for us. And he knows that that golden calf of culture is going to be our demise if we follow along with it and worship it. 
And this is the same plea that he was sending out to the people through Hosea was instead of falling away to whatever thing of culture that you have, instead of following power, money, prestige, follow after the Lord your God with all of your heart. I would encourage you sometime, if you read the letter of Hosea, you're going to discover something that God is not trying to be necessarily angry with them or vengeful with them. What God is trying to do is relay his love to them. He is over and over again beckoning to them as one who is deeply in love with them to come back and be in relationship with them. The truth is, is that although we as believers have a tendency, or as Charles Spurgeon said, where our minds are a factory of idols, although we have a tendency to do that, there, there also comes another level of it where some of us, and in this day in our culture, where some people totally give up on the faith and they totally walk away. They take this Bible right here, they close it up, they take the church, they take whatever things that they have grown up in and learned about and know to be true, and they abandon it. And this isn't something I talk about lightly. This is a thing that's happening more and more in, in our culture and day age. It's been said that in our, our country right now, a million young people live, leave the faith a year. A million young people. Think about that for a moment. We have a tendency in our own lives to demonstrate this kind of wrestling between unfaithfulness. But there is a real problem in our, in, our, in our churches, in our nation, of people who abandon their walk with the Lord, who totally give up on it, for whatever reason it may be. I don't know, we all have our problems, our situations. But this ought to be something that compels us to prayer. Hosea was prophesying and he was petitioning out of love and it's the same way to the people who walk away that first Thessalonians talks about it this way that in the last days there's going to be a great falling away there's going to be people who wander away from the faith the writers of the new testament would petition over and over again be careful there's going to be many who abandon their faith and Paul says it this way about one of the one that he was serving along Hymenius and said that he shipwrecked his faith in other words, he was, on a cra he was on a course and he just absolutely abandoned the ship and walked away. In our culture and in our time right now, what the Lord is looking for from us as a church to model for this people in this day and age is faithfulness to the Lord. That faithfulness to God, that when things get difficult, we're going to be faithful. When things get trying, we're going to be faithful. But the thing is, is that in the middle of all of this that you see, it's a reminder right now that if although culture is alluring to pull us away, God's allure is even greater. He is trying to capture our attention. He would go on to say, and this is, I want to kind of shift here a little bit. We would see the fall of Israel, which was forgetfulness and unfaithfulness. But now the call of God would be this. Number one, to know God. To know God. We talked about this verse in prayer service a few weeks ago, but I want to read it to you again. And Hosea would prophesy to the people and he would try to get back onto the, get them once again, was to stop being unfaithful, stop being forgetful, and come back and know the Lord. 
Just like one person would share a relationship, a husband and wife, and they would know each other. You know the depths of each other. This is the same plea was to come and know God. Leave that forgetfulness. Leave that unfaithfulness. Leave those things that you so easily jump to and come to the place where you know God. And so Hosea would say this one, a verse that I have just fallen in love with. I've put it everywhere in front of me now lately. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, he says this, Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn, and he will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. What a message to the people of Israel that even though they were forgetful and unfaithful, God, God was prophesying and saying to them through Hosea that he will appear to you. If you'll press in to know him, he will show himself to you, faithful, powerful, strong, and mighty. He will come to you like showers. What a powerful reminder in this day and age that if we'll press on to know the Lord, he will just come into us to like showers in our soul. I don't know if you've ever been that way before, but sometimes in my own, in my own struggles and walk through life, I've noticed that I have a tendency sometimes to get so busy that I forget about being with the Lord. And God so faithfully reminds me to press on to know the Lord. And it's, it's so funny how God works because it's like when I press in to know the Lord, my soul becomes so overwhelmed and overjoyed by the abundance of God's word. It's like he just begins to feed me and give me life that I once again needed. Listen, the struggle is real in our, in our day and age to press on to know the Lord. It is challenging. It is difficult. It takes discipline to know God. It takes discipline to sit down with the Bible and say, Lord, I'm reading through the book of Hosea, but I have no idea what you're trying to say to me. It takes discipline to pray. It takes discipline to fast. It takes discipline to know the Lord. This is why Jesus would speak that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak because it takes discipline. It's a challenge to know the Lord. It's contrary to our nature. Paul would say it this way. I die daily. I have to crucify my flesh because what is natural to us is to be pushed away from the Lord. But what the Spirit wants to do is draw us in to know the Lord. But it takes discipline. It takes this kind of attitude. And Paul would say it this way. He, in figuratively speaking, not literally, he would say, I beat my body into subjection. In other words, he was saying, I basically preach to myself, I remind myself that if I'm going to know the Lord, I have to be able to practice this discipline. Prayer, reading the Bible, is not just something I want to encourage you today. It's not just something we do to put it on our checklist and say, I did it for the day. I fasted because that's the spiritual thing to do. Listen, obedience is good, but obedience for the sake of obedience is bad. Because what happens is, is you lose the value of the practice. If you only read the word of God for being obedient, but you never take in the experience of the sacredness of it, all you've done is read words that you never opened your ears to. If we're going to be obedient, we have to be obedient out of love for the Lord, not just because. Listen, it's like this. It's like if someone said to me, uh, Charlie, I want you to come have lunch with me and let's talk and let's get to know each other. Let's, let's talk. It would be like me showing up that just because they invited me, but never truly embracing in the community of what it meant. 
And it's the same way in our walk with the Lord. God is, is calling us and wanting us to be obedient, to follow him. But if we only do it for the sake of doing it, then we have lost the value of it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. If we only pray to open up our mouths, our prayer are no more than what the Pharisees were doing, praying out loud in front of public. I want to encourage you this week and in this day that we practice obedience out of our heart that loves the Lord, not just because. Know God. That was the first call to Israel. And secondly was love God. Know God and love God. It's simple. And Hosea, he would prophesy in that same chapter, chapter 6. He says this, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Isn't that interesting? That the Bible says that the Lord would say to them, the people who were just sacrificing for the sake of sacrificing, that the Lord would say to them, I don't want what you can just give me. I want you. That's the same call God is giving to his people today is I don't want just what you can give me. I have all the thaddle, a cattle on a thousand hills. I could have it all, but I want you. I want the relationship with you. I don't want just any love. I want steadfast love, the Lord says. What's steadfast love? That's the kind of love that goes on and on and on and on. It's like it's that, it's that type of love that, that is pictured in marriage. It's for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. It's that type of love that no matter what, it's steadfast. I'm going to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen, in our time right now in our world, I want to encourage you more and more and more. And I have just sensed this call even so. And I believe one of the reasons I felt compelled to dive into the minor prophets. Listen, I'm not one who picks up the minor prophets and regularly reads it. But I felt compelled for this reason is that the Lord is wanting us to see that as he was calling the people away from just doing things for the sake of doing them, just being habitual instead of having the true relationship. What God wants more than ever is our steadfast love that says, Lord, I love you. The type of love that says that even though things are terrible and difficult and we go through challenging days, there's a song that comes from our heart that says, Lord, I love you. I worship you, I glorify you, I honor you. He wants steadfast love and not sacrifice. I'm going to ask the musicians to come as I begin to wrap this up. God's call through Hosea is a call that although the people of Israel were maybe not so much in the place that we are today, it is a depiction of our, cult our culture and the church in culture that we have a tendency to easily be allured, a tendency to be pulled away. I think there's a, a hymn that I have just completely lost the name of it, but I love the words of it. He says, let my uh, heart be, or let me be fettered to you. Let, my, let me be chained to you, really, is what he's saying, that I have a tendency to wander, but I want to be fettered to you. I want to be bound to you. This was the same type of picture that God wants to, to, to bring to us is that we would come back into full relationship with him. The type of relationship I want to encourage you and challenge you. I love this Bible, and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I read it, and I think, what in the world am I reading? I have no idea. It takes a real, it takes a real a person who loves the Lord to read through Leviticus, I can tell you that. Right, It's a challenge to read the Bible. It's a challenge to read the Word of God. It's a challenge to pray. But under all of that, 
it should be a love that comes through, that opens up the word of God and says, Lord, I just want to know you. I want to be close to you. I want to be near you. And so the Bible would say about Hosea would speak about Gomer one last time. In Hosea chapter 2, he would say to her, and I love this verse. He would say, I'm going to allure her and I'm going to lead her into the wilderness and I'm going to speak tenderly to her. And then on one occasion when Hosea or when Gomer had become unfaithful, the Bible says that Hosea went and he had some silver, barley, and wine. And basically he bought her back away from the place that she was at. And he told her this, and I believe this is such a powerful reminder from the Lord. He says this, you must remain as mine. You must remain as mine. You see, God's call to us is we are his and he is ours. That he wants us to be completely his. Not somebody else's, not something is other possession. He doesn't want us to belong to money or the golden calf of culture. He wants us to simply belong to him. My whole being, everything I've got to offer. So the Bible says Hosea will finally prophesy to the people of Israel. And he would say to them, I want you to do this. I want you to take words with you. What a funny phrase. Take your words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, take away all the guilt and accept that which is good. And we will offer the fruit of our lips. The first step to coming back to a full committed relationship with the Lord is the fruit of our lips is taking that plea to God and saying, Lord, here I am. All that I have to give, it's yours. Belongs to you. I'm not my own. I belong to you. I'm sorry, Lord. Oh, how I'm sorry. I have a wayward heart, but I want to be committed to you, wholly devoted to you this morning. Would you stand with me? Would you close your eyes right where you're at this morning? And I want you to join me in prayer in just a moment. But I want to remind you this morning, you're here, you're watching online, and you've been away from the Lord. I don't know what happened. Something tripped you up. I just want to remind you today, there is one who has been running after you for a long time. His name is the Lord. He is still after you. And just like Hosea would pay the price for Gomer, the Lord paid the price for you to buy you back from the penalty of sin. He wants your whole heart today. He didn't do it just because he's God. He did it because he passionately loves you and wants to see the best for your life. And today I want to encourage you that if you've never come to the Lord and made that commitment to him, if you've never started a relationship with him, I want to encourage you today to begin one today. If you'll do like Gomer did and take the fruit of your lips and just tell the Lord, God, I'm sorry. Take all this guilt away all this shame away and forgive me I'm promising you today that the Lord will do it if you'll tell him this morning you're here this morning you're you're a believer you've been distracted you've been pulled away by many things just tell the Lord today 
Don't be afraid to go to his throne and just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, I've been lured away by many things, but today I want to come back and I want you to be the center of my life. I don't want other things to be the center anymore. I want you to be the center. I want to press on to know the Lord today. If that's you, while the choir comes, would you just begin to pray where you're at? Just call to him this morning. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to stand. But God's promise is one to take us back, to bring us into his kingdom once again.